I think it was more theatrical. Than okay, real. got it. That's well, what I say it really hurt my feelings. What I do is I yell at everyone. I go, I just think that was more drama than emotion. <laughs> Hey, I'm Mairead. And I'm Harry. And this is A for Effort. The show where we each come with a category of things, each shack, each one of us. And then included within each category are three words or terms. The other person has to guess them. And then we do a little score tally at the end. And then the, the one with the highest score based on the best guessing of shack term. <laughs> Why do you keep saying <laughs> shack? Is, um, each in French. <laughs> <laughs> is um, uh, the winner. All right. Do you want to go first with your terms or shall I go first? I'll go first with the shack of my terms. <laughs> okay. I'm speaking in franglais for everyone not paying attention. <laughs> yes, it's very confusing. It's, it's almost impossible to hear what I am parlaying. <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so right. so today my theme is McCarthyism. Okay, great. So my first term is pumpkin papers. Okay, papers brings to mind documents, so like documentation. Good. Pumpkin brings to mind <laughs> the pumpkin. Uh, it uh, perhaps Cinderella, where the <laughs> pumpkin is turned into uh, a, a beautiful carriage, yeah. and so maybe pumpkin papers were some forged documentation. Mm. So I'm gonna go ahead and give you a hint here. Okay. And that hint is think literally. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and I liked what you were doing <laughs> with the carrots pumpkin idea, but think real literally. Okay. Is it paper made out of pumpkin? That's much closer to the answer. <laughs> I felt really good about my I loved it. I was really taken on a trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good good fiction does that. Yes. Yeah, and it was fiction. Is it uh, orange colored paper? No. Paper made out of pumpkin. No. Paper made out of pulp. <laughs> it's not made out of pulp, but it is related okay. to an actual pulp. <laughs> okay. Are the papers newspapers? No. Okay. They're like government files. Right. Is it sort of government documents accusing someone of communism that have just kind of been like fabricated? You know, they were like grown, cultivated. Once again. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to have to go more literal. Much more literal than that. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> I apologize for this being a bad <laughs> but I was too weird to resist. It was these papers in 1948 that an informant said he had, and he invited the FBI to his house, and he took them out to his garden, and he had a, a hollowed-out pumpkin in which he kept all the files. Oh. <laughs> and they were called the pumpkin papers. Okay, got it. But there were actual files? They were files. And what was detailed in the files? Files that would lead to the indictment of a man named Mr. Hissy. H-I-S-S-Y. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, indictment on charges of communism? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, chalk that That's one up for a zero out of five and <laughs> <laughs> let's no, move on. No, <laughs> A for effort. At least. Hey. For effort. Hey, that's the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two. Fifth columnists. Okay. And before you ask, yes, these are members of the fifth column. <laughs> That's what it means. 
columnists are they do they work for a newspaper no okay what does a column do can you tell me what the other four do the, i can give you like the, the origin of the phrase and then you can think about how it applies this guy was attacking madrid in the spanish civil war i forget his name i forget the context <laughs> <laughs> and that's the hint but he said i have four columns of troop attack troops attacking and then i have a fifth column of workers doing this thing which is helping me so it's like people helping a cause, but mm-hmm. aren't not in a military sense. Right. And then that was used in McCarthyist America. Okay. I mean, McCarthyism is going on at the same time as the Cold War, so there is more military, not involvement because it was a Cold War, but mm-hmm. you do have involvement in the development of weapons. And so maybe those were the first four columns. And mm-hmm. then the fifth column of the front against communism was this sort of bureaucratic mm-hmm. process by which people were accused of being communist? No. Okay. Think about it more like as an allegation. You're be accused of being a fifth columnist. So are fifth columnists accused of being communists? Yes. And so the first, you know, the the four, four columns. Co- columns are maybe direct agents trying to undermine mm-hmm. American democracy and fifth columnists are people who assist them in doing that, who like harbor communists or know information about communists but refuse to disclose it. Or fail to disclose it? Can I just give the thing? Yeah. Fifth columnists would just be spies in that sense. Oh, okay. So you have like the four columns are like the actual military people outright fighting. Yep. And the fifth columnists are the ones like trying to undermine from within okay. on behalf of a foreign power. <laughs> okay. All right. This one's good, I think. Lavender scare. Okay. Lavender. Before we've seen the term pink. Pinko. Oh, yeah. Don't be confused by that. Oh, well, too That's late. <laughs> <laughs> there were groups other than communists that were victimized by the McCarthyist situation. Right. So Lavender represents the people who were victimized in addition to communists. Mm-hmm. Does Lavender represent homosexuality? Yes. So the scare, other people were scared yes. of yeah. homosexuals the same way that at the time. people were scared of communists. Yeah. Yes. So the Lavender scare is people perceiving homosexuality as similarly dangerous in fact, interconnected communism? with the fear of communism. Okay. So there was a fear that um, homosexuals, specifically in government, could be used and blackmailed by communist agents with intelligence on, like, their homosexual activities to then give secrets to them or they would, like, out them. Okay. And so a lot of the McCarthyist hearings were, like, finding people who were alleged to be homosexual and, like, outing them and then firing them. Okay. And that was, like, part of the Red Scare. Okay, so that outing them and firing them so that they couldn't be blackmailed. blackmailed. Yeah. Got it. So many colors. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it was a real rainbow of oppression. <laughs> oh, that's what the rainbow <laughs> symbol is. <laughs> yeah. All the different kinds of awfulness. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is the end of round one. All right, round two. My theme Mm. is voting behavior. Okay, my first term is retrospective theory of voting. Um, Retroactive theory of voting. Retrospective. uh, 
<laughs> I mean, they are oh, retrospective I, oh. and retroactive. So is retrospective theory of voting the theory that voters make voting decisions based on a retrospective analysis of the achievements of that politician? Yeah, it is. Yes. That was a really... Yeah. No, I've taken the <laughs> course. <laughs> <laughs> now I remember where that's from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, All right, let's see how these other ones go. <laughs> yeah, so you're either sanctioning or selecting. So you look yes. at the performance, and if it's good, then you are selecting to put that put the incumbent back into office, and yes. if it's not good, yes. then you are sanctioning them by kicking them out of office and picking some other option. Yes. From uh, what I remember from the yeah. readings in my class, yeah. most voters don't use retrospective voting. And yeah. when they do, it's very poor yeah. effectiveness in actually grading whether or not they did the things. Yeah, so in my terms are from a book called Democracy for Realists by Larry... Bartels yeah. and Christopher Achen, A-C-H-E-N. And uh, for the first part of the book, they outline the folk theory of democracy, which mm. is the idea that the will of the people steers the democratic ship. Yes. Um, and then they're like, and this is why it's wrong. <laughs> and then they just go through and effectively dismantle it. And so, yeah, with retrospective theory of voting, you kind of need two things for that. First, you need to understand your own well-being. Yeah. And then you also need to correctly attribute responsibility for that well-being. But often people don't understand their well-being. Or even if they do, then they don't attribute responsibility for it properly. So, for example, the the example they use in the book is a series of shark attacks along the Jersey Shore Mm -hmm. in the 1910s. Was Herbert Hoover in office then? Does that make sense? When in the 1910s? Like 1916? No, Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson, yeah. It was the double letters. Yes. (laughs) Was it Hubert Hoover? (laughs) Was it Bill Blint? (laughs) (laughs) Was it Warren Washington? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's Thomas Jefferson. And uh, there was a series of shark attacks and uh, along the Jersey Shore, and then Woodrow Wilson lost a lot of support mm. because people were aware that they were suffering, but then the attribution for the suffering was to Woodrow Wilson yeah. as opposed to these are random shark attacks that the government can't really affect much influence yeah. on. Okay, cool. All right, my next term is miracle of aggregation. The miracle of aggregation. Yeah. So... There's a couple of miracles I know of. One is of birth. One is of life. Um, one is the miracle of uh, the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. One is when the home team pulls through <laughs> despite all the odds right at the end. So I'm guessing their use of miracle isn't that it creates a good outcome. It's that it creates something that seems too good to be true. I would note that all of these concepts are not ones that they're all put forth in order to be debunked. Okay. So this is a thing that they disprove. Aggregation is like collection. Mm -hmm. Is it that voting choice could be that a person's voting behavior Mm -hmm. actually is effective because the miracle of aggregation means that they can aggregate all of their beliefs or all of the things that a politician has done or something into something that is relatively rational. So the rationality point is on point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It has less to do with a single voter, though, and more to do with the... Oh, that the aggregation of everyone's choice can come up with a rational outcome for the person to rule society or whatever, or like the government or the party or something. Like the outcome of a democratic election, i.e. the aggregation of voter um, preference, is a rational outcome. 
Yeah, so it's the idea that whole electorates are, quote, wiser, yeah. unquote, than single voters because mm. the biases and information limitations of single voters who are relatively uninformed are canceled out on either side. Yes. And then extremely informed individuals tip the scale. <laughs> I find it easier to think about in terms of a jury, just because mm. it's like smaller scale, right. where the idea is that the entire jury, all of the jurors see the trial mm -hmm. and come away with different focus points just yes. based on their yeah. different life experiences. And then those focus points cancel each other out during yeah. the deliberation. That's a good So that they aggregate analogy. into a cohesive verdict, yeah. really. Um, okay. Yeah. Another issue is that that assumes independence between voters, like mm -hmm. each one exists in their own bubble and has their biases in their bubble, as opposed to like, oh, they're aggregating media sources yeah. that huge swaths of the population derive their political mm -hmm. opinions and facts from, yeah. which Bartles and H go into as well. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. And my final term is partisan inference. So to infer something to gather or understand something from that someone says in subtext potentially. You're not they're not necessarily saying it, but you're gathering some information from something that wasn't directly said. And that was it partisan inference? Yep. If you're a partisan on either side, then you'll infer good things about your side or bad things about the other side no matter what the information is. That's not it. It's kind of using more general information mm -hmm. to derive more specific information. Okay. Sorry, I feel like that hint could have been better. But no, it's, okay. it's the idea that people use information they do have, mm -hmm. i.e. their own party identification and the party identification of the candidates yeah. running to infer information that they don't have, namely specific policy positions of candidates. Oh. So they project yes. their own yes. policy positions onto the candidates like. exactly yes because they know if you're a liberal and you have a certain position on infrastructure spending then you are likely to project your position about infrastructure spending onto the liberal candidate yes yeah, yeah. so part you know you're using partisan inference uh the issue being that that may be efficient but that doesn't mean that it's accurate and in fact it's often not okay cool uh Great. that is the end sick of round two All right. Are you ready with your scores? No. <laughs> All right. Do you want your scores first? Yes. All right. Pumpkin papers, <laughs> yeah. two out of five. Understandable. Uh, fifth columnists, three out of five. Wow. That seems generous. And you know what? <laughs> I hope you remember that when you get my score. <laughs> <laughs> and lavender scare, five out of five. Okay, cool. Well. All right, retrospective theory of voting, five out of five. Sick. <laughs> Miracle of aggregation, four out of five. Nice. Partisan inference. Two fair, out of five. Fair. <laughs> I said fair before you even said it. <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. I'm not upset. I don't even care. <laughs> no, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Great. All right. If you want to learn more about the folk theory of democracy, voting behavior, democracy in general, <laughs> I would recommend the book Democracy for Realists by Christopher Achen and Larry Bartles. And I will have that linked in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about McCarthyism, you can read Age of McCarthyism, A Brief History with Documents by Ellen Schrecker and Philip Deary. 
<laughs> Great. <laughs> a for Effort is hosted and produced by me, Mairead. And me, Harry. And it's edited by me, Mairead. But not me, Harry. <laughs> our music is Chop Shop Instrumental by White Flowers, and our logo is by Eights. You can find the show on iTunes. Please subscribe and leave a review. That would be great. Would be great. And if you want to get into contact with us, you can find our Facebook page at A for Effort, or you can give us a Gmail or a normal email (laughs) at aforeffortcast at gmail.com. All right. And we will see you in two weeks. Bye. 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 All right, round two. My